Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined, as always, by May Finch. Hi, everyone. And Mr. Will Rotondi. Hey, hey. Welcome back, you all. Uh, We have a great show lined up for you today, as always. On last week's episode, we drew a fade to black which is uh, where we discuss the final scene in a film and why it has lasting impact. The film, of course, was The Dark Knight, as uh, evidenced by Will's background there. And specifically, we'll be talking about Gordon's voiceover that sort of narrates the final sequence of the movie. But first, uh, we are going to do a little uh i hate that this like three episodes in a a row but we're gonna do um another in memoriam uh as of our recording date today olivia newton john has passed away legendary actress uh singer and uh even um star of one of our films uh two of a kind um even though we took the ever-loving piss out of that uh that movie we love her. She's a wonderful human being. She unfortunately, succumbed to, I think I saw a uh, twenty-year battle with breast cancer, something crazy oh, like gosh. that. It's a it's a long time, yeah. um, but just absolutely terrible, sad news. Um, she seemed like an awesome, wonderful human being. I had a crush uh, as a kid on her. The first time seeing Greece, I fell in love like immediately. Of course you uh, did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't just the leather scene either. <laughs> <laughs> Even Goody Two Shoes, Sandy, I thought was just beautiful and gorgeous. And she had such a nice voice. And it's just a sad, sad thing. Um, anybody have a, a favorite Olivia Newton-John movie or song? I mean, the <laughs> I just... I just... It's so funny watching the scene when she has the John Travolta in Two of a Kind, where it's obvious that they have good chemistry, but it's the most like awkward, awful love scene because of the lines they have to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just like, I, I love the duality of man that you can see in Olivia Newton-John in that moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is a pretty spectacular scene for sure. Unintentionally funny, perhaps, but uh, amazing nonetheless. How about you, Will? Any particular uh, sequence or uh, film or song? <laughs> any any Olivia Newton-John memories you want to share? I think the most uh, memorable for me has got to be Two of a Kind. And that's only because I haven't really seen much of anything else with her in it besides probably Grease, but it's been so long that I've watched that film. Um, so that's really all that I know. I'll, but obviously, I mean, she's had an extremely successful career um, besides that. And so I think I have more homework to do than anything else <laughs> to yeah, go back I, and and to learn more. So her, her music's wonderful. Like you know, I just I'd urge you tonight pop a couple of th- random things on Spotify. You know, look look up some of the hits. She's got just a killer voice, and yeah, Greece is always worth a uh, another another look. Like I, as we've established here, I'm not a huge mu- musical person at all. But um, I really that's one of the ones that I really enjoy. Um, it's maybe like some stuff's a little problematic by today's standards, but nothing too <laughs> egregious. And it is fun. Like the soundtrack's a banger. Like there's there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. So rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. Uh, we loved your work and we'll miss you. Uh, to offset that a little bit, we thought it'd be fun to 
wish a very happy birthday to the star of one of all of our favorite uh, movies from this year, Michelle Yeoh, star of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which I always have to say very carefully because I like I have a tendency to like invert some of those things, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, of course, uh, star of other films such as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny, uh, Memoirs of a Geisha, among mm-hmm. many, many others. Uh, so happy birthday, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, I finally have seen everything, everywhere, all at once. So that's an easy pick for me of like the favorite film that she's ever been in performance because that was stunning and and just excellent. But I'll open the floor up to you guys if you have a favorite uh, role or, or you know film that she was in. Yeah, I haven't seen uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I know that was kind of like her her main thing that she was in for a long time. But I I feel like Everything Everywhere All at Once is like the first time she had like a true starring role. Um, and you got to see her play like a really, really beautiful, complex, nuanced character. And she just killed it. Um, I'm also rather fond of her performance in Crazy Rich Asians because that's the first time I actually saw her. Um, really? And yeah, I... I love her. She's great. She is she's awesome. uh, with us for another revolution <laughs> of the earth. <laughs> yes. yes, please. Yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once is like, it's amazing. I can't speak enough of how much I love that film. But yeah, for that, or uh, I always forgot that she was in Tomorrow Never Dies. So the Pierce Brosnan mm-hmm. and James Bond movie back in the day. Yep. That was probably the first movie I technically saw her in without realizing like thinking back on that because I have seen Crouching Tiger uh Tomorrow Never Dies I, there was a Jackie Chan movie that she was in where she kicked butt and I can't remember the name of it but that's been on a, like on the list of things to go back and check out and then Star Trek actually Star Trek Discovery mm-hmm. she's she's had a recurring role for at least I want to say about two seasons on Star Trek Discovery Baby 3 so definitely worth checking out because she is that's like the 180 of the type of character that she's like in um everything everywhere she is like ruthless and it's awesome to watch so i mean she has a couple ruthless lines in uh everything everywhere all at once (laughs) that is true that is true (laughs) yeah i forget exactly what she's yeah, I was going to say, especially aimed at Joy. I forget exactly what she said, but she was like, how are you doing? Why are you fat, essentially? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yep. Uh, well, happy birthday again, Michelle Yeoh. Um, it's been a pleasure to watch your career and to many more. All right, uh, let's have a side quest, shall we? Gonna we shall. Give these a little uh, shuffle here. Oh, I, can, I just realized I can literally right click and do that. Uh, and this whole time I've been, sh- it's more fun to shake it though. You know what I mean? Um, no regrets. All right. <laughs> so great expectations is our, our card. Um, I can't recall who all has gone. I think I know for sure. May you have will didn't yeah. you do one as well. I don't have I done one on this. I don't think that you have. I think that you should, because I definitely mentioned Prometheus on a previous episode mm. regarding yeah. the Alien franchise. So, um, I'll, I'll pick a recent example. Um, I think it's a film that I watched with May, if I'm not mistaken. You came over to watch Many Saints of Newark, didn't you? When we had like a watch party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that that's a pretty easy pick for me, and it's not that I think that film is uh, particularly like bad. 
it's just so aggressively mediocre as both a gangster movie and also as like a Sopranos like spinoff. Mm-hmm. It felt very unnecessary. Like by the end of it, there's only a couple of really interesting things that they add to the lore. And it felt more like a victory lap without like the people that you really wanted to see like in those roles. Right. Like um, I, I don't regret watching it, but um, yeah, I, I, I think like it just it fell so far short of the and I had pretty tempered expectations, like even though it was a Sopranos spinoff, like and I, that's like probably my favorite show and I, I consider to be the best show on TV like of all time. Uh, maybe in contention with Mad Men, but in any event, uh, just something about it didn't quite work for me the way that I would hoped that it would. Um, what did, what was you like? You had no baggage with you when you saw. It. What did you make of that? Now that you've seen some other gangster films and stuff, like subsequently, like what did you think of it? Yeah, for audience context, uh, for the audience, the context on this is Chris has been trying to introduce me to Italian gangster movies. Uh, one one movie at a time and this was the first one (laughs) so I've not I had not seen The Godfather at this point I still haven't seen Sopranos and um I yeah I I thought it ambled quite a bit I didn't quite get where it was going I also I didn't have the context of like the importance of every character either um I really liked the like young bride they brought over from Italy and blanking on her name and then they spoiler alert uh she's not in the movie for too long uh uh, and then I was sad and kind of lost interest so I didn't love it but I stuck with it and I have now seen better movies in that genre like The Godfather (laughs) yeah there's some all right performances like I really liked like Ray Liotta is always great also like R.I.P. um it was fun to watch him and I thought Michael Gandolfini did a great job playing a young version of Tony like those were some big shoes to fill and I thought he did an all right job um I think ambling is the right like that's a perfect word for it like it, it really just does kind of go all over the place uh I think I would have enjoyed it a bit more if it had, had some more focus I actually liked who they set up like the whole storyline um with the the gangsters that were in like Newark that um get killed at the well some of them get killed at the end and like it's kind of set up for like a spinoff um where they're blamed for the death of you know christopher's father or whatever um i'm blanking on the name of that crew but like it's like the the crew of like black gangsters like that would have been way more interesting than what they ended up kind of spending their time on which was like a lot of kind of uh I don't know, wife beating and shooting uh, bullets through wife's hair and and just all kinds of other stuff that like lots of wife beating, like a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, The Sopranos is not without its like, um, you know, misogynistic characters and like moments that are in it, but uh, they all sort of uh, serve a greater purpose and they're much fewer and far between than like what was in this two hour movie. But I think uh, that's what, why what, I I think I that's why I liked the the I'm feel bad that I'm only referring to her as the the like new wife or whatever, <laughs> but she didn't get a lot of character development. I think I latched onto her just because I was like, she's got a shitty deal. I hope she gets at least one dub in this whole film. She kind of does, and then she really really doesn't. Yeah, I'm looking up now too because I'm curious. That's how big of an impact she left <laughs> or that movie <laughs> left on us really. Um. <laughs> yeah uh looks like <laughs> mm, nope giuseppe nope yeah giuseppe giuseppe yeah 
yeah just a peanut that, that looks right um okay. yeah but uh did you see this will and like are you a sopranos <laughs> fan <laughs> i am i will be no help to you in this i've never seen the tv show and i have definitely not seen this so well this is one... more just entertaining for me before actually going back and ever watching it so <laughs> I would say don't watch this uh, unless you've seen like advice that I couldn't give. Obviously, before I'd seen the movie, I would have uh, I would have given so many disclaimers to to poor May if I had known um, yeah. like how heavy it was going to be on. Like, I think it just banked a lot on like the nostalgia of the show without doing anything really interesting. But um, mm -hmm. when Nathan Idol uh, is dying to do like a Sopranos, like watch, like, you know, like maybe like a little bit at a time, May. So uh, you're welcome to join for that and uh, where you can watch you can watch along from afar maybe we can do like an occasional uh, check-in um, called like uh, Gavin with Gabagool or something like that I don't know I like, well, <laughs> we'll think of something podcast into <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> the screen quest universe <laughs> yeah. oh boy there's so many of those uh stars uh are spinning in their graves right now probably james gandolfini amongst them <laughs> gavin with gabagool jesus <laughs> all right uh moving on um unless anybody wants to add anything about many saints of newark but that, that was a pretty easy choice for me because it's the most i've just been disappointed in a movie in a while probably the the, the title is beautifully uh ironic because by the end of the movie there's a lot fewer saints of newark <laughs> there are yep and i'm a big dum-dum and i didn't realize like that like the title was derived from like multisanti which is like the name of the main character and like the you know oh. father of somebody who's uh you know like a main character in the sopranos uh, christopher narrates it so yeah yeah multisanti. i felt so stupid when i realized that. i was like oh that's why <laughs> But I like your explanation too. <laughs> I don't know how you there say There were many and now there are a few. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, as it is Will's uh, pick that's up for grabs here, um, or I should say that we're that we're discussing, uh, I'm going to turn it over to, to Will to lead the discussion on the final scene of The Dark Knight. So take it away, Will. Awesome. Thank you. Well, uh, I guess just as a quick recap, then uh, our usual spoiler-filled... Uh, explanation of the plot behind the dark knight since i can't assume everybody has seen this movie at this point and it's how i felt when i was surprised somebody didn't hadn't seen the matrix to talk about once so uh but it came out back in 2008 it's the second of the uh dark knight trilogy that christopher nolan did and it stars christian bale heath ledger r.i.p aaron eckhart maggie gyllenhaal gary oldman morgan freeman and michael Caine. And I guess just to give, there's a lot that goes on in this film. So I feel like if I'm, if I was to give like a bullet point synopsis about what happens, I'm just going to start firing some stuff off. So we've got Harvey Dent, who takes on the mob, played by Aaron Eckhart. We've got the mob that turns to the Joker, played by Heath Ledger, for help. Maybe not initially, but comes around to asking him for, not really asks, but partners with him for help. The Joker continues to sow chaos in Gotham. Through domestic terrorism the joker kills rachel who is played by maggie gyllenhaal who is the love interest for bruce wayne and who's also in an, a a i should say a relationship in this film with harvey dent batman doesn't kill the joker when he gets a chance 
Harvey Dent turns to the dark side after being seriously burned in, I can only imagine would not ever be realistic because there's no way that man would not have something covering his face, but it's cool because he's Two-Face. So there's that. Uh, the Joker loses a bet on a social experiment, which I hope we will talk a little bit about. And then Harvey Dent turns, or I'm sorry, I should say, he goes after uh, the cops that basically were working with the mob uh, that sold him out and takes revenge on them and then tries to take revenge on Jim Gordon as well as Gordon's kid before Batman intervenes, pushes him off a ledge and kills him. Maybe not directly intentionally killing him, but it worked out because we knew that was just what was going to have to happen. Uh, besides that, there is some other interplay with the with Batman and, and the Joker that would be good to talk about as well. But at the very end, after Harvey Dent slash Two-Face is defeated, we have a scene where Batman is talking to Gordon and essentially says that we can't let everyone find out what happened to Harvey Dent about him turning to the dark side, essentially. We have to keep this image that he was this white knight who was helping to rid the city of crime. And I'm going to go ahead and take one for the team and just tell everybody that I'm the one that killed those cops is essentially what Batman says and then runs off and uh, the cops start chasing him. And at that point, Jim Gordon's kid, uh, I guess Jim Jr. or James Jr. is uh, standing next to him and says something to the effect of, you know, like, why are they chasing him? He didn't do anything wrong. And we get a little bit of a voiceover narration kind of cut back and forth um, between him explaining to his son that at least the way that he feels and sort of emblematic of the, the tone of the film is that uh, that Batman is not the hero that Gotham deserves, but the one that it needs right now. Um, and he goes on to say something to the effect of like, we're going to continue to hunt him because he can take it uh, because he's not our hero. He's a silent guardian a watchful protector, a dark knight. That's probably not the exact quote, but I feel like it's close enough to it. Uh, no, I so, think you need to get in character, Will, and read the entire monologue. <laughs> I should do that? Yeah, there we go. I don't know if I could pull off the accent that he, I got to get a little bit of that, like, I don't know, Chicago accent going on, I feel like, for uh, for Gordon. Uh, I'll work on that for next time. But, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was, and I have to say that I've, I have loved this movie for a long time. Um, so I'm just going to throw that one out there. But before we get into discussing the end of the film, uh, I would like to turn it back over to both of you. Chris, I know that you you had mentioned you typically watch this like once a year kind of a thing. So I'll uh, pass it over to you to give us your thoughts on watching it again. Let's go around. Yeah, I don't know if a film has ever got so firmly stuck in my brain. Um since this movie's come out or before i probably saw this like eight times like in movie theaters like i just there was something about it and you know of course like ledger's joker was awesome but um the the very michael mann like heat-esque like opening like the bank robbery sequence um all the practical effects for like the chases and things like that there's just so much about it that works really well uh it's an all-time great um i think uh, I still consider it probably to be the best superhero movie and it's what really like solidified my love of Batman like as a character um, and got me into comics really like I, I was very interested to find out where um, 
the influences lay for this. So I know like Long Halloween and The Killing Joke were both like big. So it kind of led me to that. And that was my very first like footsteps into the world of, of comics. And then now I've got like a shelf behind me that's just like full of bat books and like a closet. With, I'm not even going to say how many issues of Batman comics. So um <laughs> Yeah, I, this I is a it. safe I, space. You can tell us. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's we're all nerds here. Noise. That that was. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I haven't even uh, collected for that long. But uh, but yeah, I think it's a perfect movie. Um, there's really no elements of this except for uh, I know this may not be like the most popular opinion um maggie gyllenhaal's uh i don't like like her take on rachel as much as i like the uh i'm blanking katie holmes um mm -hmm. i thought like that character was uh a little more interesting and spicy in the the first one um but that's a really small nitpick and it's not really maggie gyllenhaal's fault i just think i don't think she has a lot to work with in the scripts like she literally is like a, a fridge the girlfriend kind of moment yeah. in this that's like kind of disappointing <laughs> um and you know but that's it like if I, that's if i have to nitpick but other than that like i mean i dude i love this movie unabashedly um it's just it's incredible like what else is there to say how about you man i actually have seen this before this was not my first viewing um Nailed it. <laughs> so yeah it was good to go back and watch it again um i think that this is like uh and going to get some heat from Marvel fans, but I do think this is like how you do a good comic book movie personally. Um, just yeah, like everything is perfect about it uh, from the characters feeling very solidly in like who they are and what they want and what they're able to do. And uh, obviously like the filmmaking is phenomenal. I love all of the vivid like sets and imagery used throughout. Like it just, uh, it's got a lot of eye candy in it for for what is like a dark dingy city, which is surprising. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I love those aspects. Were it not a comic book movie, I do think I'd kind of hate it just because of things like Chris mentioned, the fridging, the fact that none of the logic makes sense in terms of <laughs> basically any of the big like events that happen. Um, I also don't think the end logic makes a ton of sense outside of a comic book either, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but as a comic book movie, I love this. Gold Star, I rank it above any Marvel movie that's come out personally. Nice. Oh, man. All right. The gauntlet has been thrown. <laughs> Better step it up, Marvel. I don't know. Those millions that you're raking in doesn't matter because you haven't beat this film yet so yeah they've come close i mean i feel like infinity war endgame we're about as close uh <laughs> as marvel's come and that's like less about like how good they were in terms of like uh like telling a really great great narrative and both of those are like great stories don't get me wrong but it, more the scale of that was what was impressive like the culmination of all those years of planning but yeah, I digress. Anyway, but you're, you're right. It's nice. not been surpassed. <laughs> oh, man. Excellent. Yeah, for me, it's got to be. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for like practical effects. I love when people can do stuff that looks real, but it's like scaled down models. Like the scene in the tunnel to me is just amazing. When you go back and you look at some of the behind, uh, behind the scenes stuff about the like basically the RC cars that they use <laughs> to do that. And so, yeah, I think for me, that's always going to be my all time favorite thing that watching Marvel movies as a comparison is actually a great point because 
I, I get kind of zoned out with CGI after a while, but I will always, I will always love practical effects. So Same. I think beyond that, I mean, just the acting also too. I mean, Heath Ledger is incredible as the Joker and it's always fun to, to laugh at Batman's different voices in every incarnation <laughs> that he's got. I mean, the Christian Bale Batman is definitely the graveliest, I feel like. of I, I haven't watched the latest one, so I can't actually compare that to the Batman. But I have I always used to think it was funny listening to like the various like degrees of graveliness that Bale would have depending on which movie in the trilogy it was. So that was always fun. Speaking of casting, um, Michael Caine is Alfred. Like I, I, I cannot see anyone else as Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> that is valid. He is he is definitely, yeah, it's true. I love Michael Caine. <laughs> And he's yeah, always around I, for like the really emotional moments in these movies too. So it's and they'll just like quietly take the card off the platter. You're just like, no, nope. yeah, don't need that. Anymore. You're not, you're not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The interplay between those characters, like uh, not just in this, but like in like the comics and like everywhere else, is uh, is one of my favorite aspects, and they absolutely nailed it uh, mm-hmm. with this particular movie. Um, I hope they do more with the Andy Circus Alfred in the oh, Pattinson yeah. one because what we got with him, like little hints that they dropped, like, you know, so Alfred in like the comics was in the SAS special oh. forces. And so like they like he it's like a little throwaway line. I just rewatched it Friday, the Batman. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. says, like, hey, I taught you how to fight. And it's kind of cool that they like peppered that in, like, because Alfred like was a badass in his own right, which is how he can always stitch up Batman and, you know, knows what he knows. But, uh, but you're right, May. I think so far, definitive by a country mile is Michael Kine. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Awesome. One, sorry, one other general comment I had was just the uh, comedic timing is also another way that this is just a great comic book adaptation. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I do feel like Marvel like relies on like some cheesy one-liners and zingers a lot of the time, whereas there's a ton of visual comedy in this and just like pacing comedy. Like mm-hmm. um, when uh, Two-Face, before he's Two-Face, when he's in the van being driven through the tunnel and the guys are shooting and, and uh, he like nervously asks the cop like, hey, can they get through that? And the cop says, oh no, they'll need something much bigger. And then just visually they pull out the bazooka. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah lots of stuff like that which is great i much prefer like having a bit of a visual aspect to just like little one-liners that you kind of like scoff at so Mm. sorry sorry marvel fans (laughs) (laughs) look i think this is like seriously becoming like a marvel bash fest (laughs) up in the air I, like, I, damn. Movies, I have some but... stuff to get my off of my chest all right <laughs> oh, it's, okay. it's all right this like, could be a therapy session it's cool <laughs> it's well deserved man like I, I i love my marvel movies but like after seeing like love and thunder like it has become apparent that they like fail to understand like why like that balance works so well and that like like, yeah. like that can't be the only thing that you like we yes we like the silliness and some of the humor and stuff but like it's okay to have like a pretty straightforward marvel movie that's like fun and has some humor in it without like bashing you over the head like i was anyway i'm sorry i, I don't want to derail the podcast. i was a little <laughs> i was a little overwhelmed with like the amount of like jokes that they like tried and a lot of them fell flat in thor love and thunder so you're nice. absolutely correct the joker for example like he's got so many great like gags that um that work really really well um even when he's being scary like there's still kind of a, a bit of like 
I don't know, like an undertone of like humor to how he reacts to people interacts mm. with them like you think you could just get away with this yeah <laughs> he's gonna say the, <laughs> <laughs> <the> grenades like, <laughs> i mean it's 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 menacing but it's amazing too. it's funny yeah it's true or like when he's outside the hospital and just whacking away on the on the the um what is it the ignition key to try it mm -hmm. like he thinks the the whole bomb hasn't gone off and so he's just messing with the remote like you know what's wrong with this and then the whole thing goes up and he just darts off into the bus or when he does the disappearing pencil trick at the beginning so yeah the main time stuff. i like actually laughed out loud is when the joker comes and visits visits dent in the hospital turns oh. around <laughs> dent dent sees like joker's face mask yeah. wig yeah. and then freaks out as soon as the mask comes off and i'm like did you not see the eyes and the face yeah, that's so yeah. apparent that is not an <laughs> I mean, if if you up to this point have seen that regularly at the hospital, you're probably in the wrong spot. Like right? <laughs> that's what your nurses look like regularly. They're way overworked, first of all. <laughs> like, <laughs> awesome. I mean, to be fair, half of his face was also like tremendously burned. So that other eye might not work very well. So he might be working with some depth perception on that too. He's probably a little drugged up too. I gotta imagine. Yeah. Yeah. but but yeah, still baby. you're right it's <laughs> the timing of when he freaks out so yes <laughs> just goes to show how amazing a mask can be can't tell who's under there <laughs> oh man nice all right guys so it's a safe space so anything else that you want to get off your chest about marvel and how it can go suck a fuck no, as no, jake Hall used to say back in donnie durko no or maybe I'm maggie Hall. i've got Hall on the brain now but yeah i've, I've uh, gotten it off my chest for now we'll see <laughs> we'll see if this uh brings up any other issues under the surface for me <laughs> It's like, actually, I really hate Marvel, you guys. I didn't learn until today during this podcast, but damn. <laughs> I will say it's one last uh, aside for like in the general commentary. Um, the Batman does make an excellent companion to the Dark Knight. So uh, mm, I urge you to check it out. Um, it's on HBO Max uh, mm. if you want to see something that it feels like it owes a lot to the dark knight and you'll see what i mean like i don't want to like get into too many specifics but um like i really really enjoyed like uh the, the second viewing especially of that like which i just on friday watched um mm -hmm. but it's got like a lot i think it took a lot of the right lessons from the dark knight on how you can do something it's not particularly funny um mm -hmm. like in the way that like th this film is but um, I think that the the way it unfolds and some of like the the eye candy and practical effects and things like that are very much um, lend, lend themselves well and um, yeah you'll see let me know what you what you think but it does make a good viewing companion so check it out excellent I guess off of that is it closer to like how the comics feel like is it more true to the source material um it's it's you know like any movie adaptation of uh batman is going to be it's it's going to feel like its own thing like there's just things in the comics and it depends on what comics too right like there's a pretty wide spectrum you have like bombastic like silly batman fighting somebody like clayface you know and like we're like it's really over the top and colorful and like light and then you have stuff like the long halloween or killing joke that's like very very like dark or dark dark night returns um, for example, so I would say that it 
there's a couple of comics that it reminded me of, but definitely on the the darker side. It's a it's a more grounded Batman, and that like he makes a lot of because he's young. Like it's not like his like origin story, but it's like in his first year of of being Batman. So he's incredibly fallible and like physically fallible too. Like there's some times mm-hmm. where he really fucks up and fucks himself up, and it's kind of nice to see like an interpretation of Batman where he's not just like zipping along like through the rooftops like you know flawlessly, right? Um, so um that's that's just a hard question to answer i guess i guess like there are elements that it draws from the comics but it does feel like its own thing and i like it for that reason like i always appreciate when uh somebody takes on batman and tries to do something different with the character like you have familiar elements uh, of the character and some of the stuff in the batman d- didn't work um like the the bruce wayne being a recluse thing isn't really my favorite interpretation of that character um mm. but like but him as batman i really like and i think that hopefully in the next films they'll they'll kind of inch more into like the the billionaire playboy kind of um you know and there's a reason for that but i hope they kind of go that route and again like with alfred uh just i think there's more things that they can do to kind of uh develop that character even further um but this is was more of like a detective kind of story for for the batman Mm. Going back and reflecting on what Gordon says and kind of leading up to everything that's going on at the end, it's always interesting, or at least I find it interesting, when you have a movie where the protagonist seems like they need to take on other characters' uh, misdeeds, sins, errors, in judgment, poor life choices, any of that stuff. So like to see that Batman is the one who's willing to be like, all right, you know, for the we're gonna we're gonna save Harvey Dent's honor and carry on his legacy so that people don't lose faith in what you know gotham can be and not give in to terrorism uh, i just think it's on the one hand i understand why as a comic book story it tries to be noble like that uh, it also feels a little jesusy to me too in some ways like that i hadn't really thought into that round until i after watching it this time and thinking like you know i'm not a really religious person but for me watching that i thought you know it's interesting sort of like the parallel of the I will take on your sin. I will take on this city's sin. I will deal with, you know, being the bad guy, essentially. I will be the outlet that you want to take out your punishment on. And so that was kind of a weird feeling going back in and, and, and watching that. But that, that was kind of what I got out of that final scene. I'm really interested to kind of get some feedback from you guys, either how you might have felt the first time that you watched it or how it felt to you this time so may i'm gonna pass it over to you first since uh, we got some feedback from chris the last time yeah so the first time i watched it i was definitely thinking like oh that's kind of like not the way i saw that going at the end like it definitely felt kind of like a sudden veer <laughs> to the right um but rewatching it it uh, I, I i don't think it works for me and um, I get that, like, comic book logic, um, you're relying on these heroes, right? And they're very symbolic. And a a hero and what they symbolize is much more important than really anything else in the city in terms of, like, establishing law and order in, in this world. Um, it's like, in that logic, it kind of makes sense. Except there is literally a man who went on the airwaves saying he was going to wreak havoc the whole night across the city. They couldn't just blame a few cop killings on him. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be very believable. 
And then Batman wouldn't get blamed for anything. He could just keep doing his baddie stuff. And Arthur Dent would still be the White Knight. So I have no idea why they felt like they had to pin stuff on Batman except to give him a Jesus moment, essentially. <laughs> um, so that annoys me. And then outside of the comic book, like, logic, I just think it's funny that we have a city where we find out that most of the deaths of, of innocence that happen, like Rachel, at least the innocence we care about, like Rachel and, you know, kind of um harvey uh the good part of harvey i should say <laughs> mm-hmm. uh is is because of corrupt policing and like of the fact that their criminal justice system is just broken <laughs> does not work mm-hmm. whatsoever <laughs> um so it's it, it's funny to me that the solution is just to say that no we had a great da we had one good guy in that system <laughs> he's done now but we had one good guy <laughs> the end <laughs> and i'll point out that one good guy uh did plenty of really fucking questionable <laughs> shit, right like... Besides, <laughs> before he went two-faced too like yeah. kidnapping oh, yeah. kidnapping that that like young man who is like also mentally unwell and trying to kill him <laughs> like i mean he says like i make my own luck and like it, it is revealed that like you know like there's never a time where the coin flip is going to like result in the death of the person but still oh you know. no 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 one side gets burnt in the fire no but that's like before but that's before oh, okay like, the, yeah uh, yeah like the mm-hmm. guy like when the guy's in the um and that guy by the way is polka dot man from the suicide squad yeah i just picked up yeah. on that but uh, oh. uh <laughs> yeah like but still it's very disturbing uh scene and also he's willing to to sort of work with Batman to skirt around the law to like catch the people. Like, I mean, yeah. Whether it's like right or wrong, like he's he's still working outside <laughs> of the law, right? Yeah. Like he wants to paint himself as like Gotham's white knight, but um, mm-hmm. he does a lot of shit that's like it's illegal and violates people's civil liberties, like even if it is like for a good cause. So just want to point that out. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, some mixed feelings about the end. <laughs> mixed ranging from that doesn't make sense to what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you say on the what the fuckometer were you at at the point at, at that point in particular? I mean, there's a pretty wide range throughout the film that that, you know, you suspend disbelief, but was this like the ultimate point? Uh, just for- just uh, it felt like you get to the end of the film <laughs> and you're like Oh shit, this is called the Dark Knight. How <laughs> do we make it the Dark Knight? Yeah. <laughs> I know, we'll blame him for killing cops. Yeah. There we go. Now he's the Dark Knight. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. It it was that pretty much. Also, like the um I don't know, his whole like no killing rule also seems a little silly because I'm sure he's killed people before just by like attempting non-lethal methods and not doing them quite non-lethally he has done some serious property damage when he blew up those two cars using some rockets and man you better hope those parked cars didn't have people in them yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know that that feels more like just to soothe his own conscience not the thing he necessarily actually follows in practice Mm -hmm. he's got some loopholes like in the first movie ross al ghul definitely like he could save him and he's like i'm not gonna kill you we don't have to save you. And then he like leaps out of a train and poor Liam Neeson goes careening into the side of a building and blows up. So like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's got rules, but there's some fucking asterisks there too, <laughs> which just seems to be the status quo in Gotham, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know. It always gets me when he's like, he's on his basically his souped up bat, his bat bike, and yes. he could have just <laughs> he could have just done something, and he just doesn't want to like. I understand if you don't want to run the Joker over necessarily, but he just doesn't do anything. That is kind of a gory way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> roadkill. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, It'd be very colorful though. It'd be just all, oh, over the, all that makeup all over the place. <laughs> mm. But uh, yeah, that to me, I just thought it's so strange. Because don't get me wrong, like I understand the idea, but you could still maim somebody, right? Like maybe just take his kneecaps out or something. I don't know. He, he seems to have very good aim with everything else. I'm surprised that he just <laughs> didn't decide to do something. But right. But then we wouldn't have the rest of the, you know, we wouldn't have the plot. I guess exactly. You know, so. yeah i get that actually well that encapsulates it for me it felt like a lot of it was very well done and character driven until we were getting towards the end and then it was like the plot deciding to take over for the characters just to like mm -hmm. close out well like let's have a cop stand in the locked room with the joker to watch him like why was that guy in there except for an excuse to be overpowered and then as a hostage to get out so yeah there's little bits here and there where you're like eh, i kind of get it for the sake of suspending disbelief but in retrospect probably not a wise choice but still yeah well actually thinking about people that make questionable decisions and then surprise you as well um i always really like the scene with where the joker sets up the bombs on the two fairies and he gives the social experiment essentially of telling both fairy crews and occupants that the other fairy has a detonator to the bomb that is on their fairy um, one fairy that has basically I, i'm just going to go out and assume it's middle to lower upper class folks that are on it and the other one that's got a bunch of incarcerated uh, people from the, I guess, from Arkham that are both stuck out in the water. And so it's the question of who do you think is going to pull the trigger first? And they've got about, I think, I want to say 20 minutes. Could have been less than that. Might have been 10. They have a certain amount of time they have to make their, their decision in. Um, and so everybody, of course, assumes, oh, you know, they're going to, they're going to, blow up the boat with all the criminals on it right and it, we get that great moment where one of the one of those guys on the boat walks over like really big intimidating dude walks up to the i guess i'll say the guy who's sort of in charge below deck at that point <clears throat> and you know kind of whispers to him like you know like Get, just give it to me i'll take care of it like i'll do what you should have done 20 minutes ago you know nobody has to know <laughs> it's such a great speech <laughs> i know it's awesome and then he just takes it and chucks it out the window and goes and sits back down and just kind of like you know huddles with his with his group of guys just like praying that maybe they're not going to get blown up and i thought this is awesome that is by far one of my favorite scenes of that film it's, and it's really it's yeah it's just really telling you know like about the people doing good versus people sort of giving into their fear but um anyway i'm sorry go ahead Mac. i was gonna say it's it's telling and it does like i guess <laughs> make how how like shittily this movie treats all of the like prisoners and and, and uh criminals in it like i guess more palatable because you know that's not necessarily the lens of the movie it's just the lens of everyone that's like like Batman and in law enforcement because like the scene really beautifully shows it's like no these are just people they probably have like family on that other boat even like mm. it is nice to see that even the one guy like the one really like 
seemed better off. His clothes looked pretty nice. You know, the one dude. I really seemed, thought like, he was going to push. I know. <laughs> and then just had that last last minute thought. You know, this was definitely not like up to Squid Games like level of we're going to fuck each other <laughs> over. But it came close, you know, and you're just like, mm, is he going to do it? So, yeah. So just thinking about like, yeah, like it's it's nice watching in this film in spite of its the nitpicks that we love to to pick apart um i think that it is interesting just watching the characters that decide to to do the more honorable or compassionate move for whatever the reasons are whether you think it's good or not but like just in the moment to be the better person and to take the higher road with that and and to surprise you and i feel like that's definitely one of the scenes i mean in any sort of what we could say superhero movies in general or we can just say in like sort of gritty crime films where it's like, oh, you know, like it's it's pleasantly surprising to see somebody like actually be a human being. Right. <laughs> so, any other um, that's actually the two that struck that stuck out to me the most in this film. But there's definitely some other points that are, you know, in, either important to carrying that message along or just, you know, interesting to in the sake of discussing, too. Was there were there any other scenes that really stuck out to either of you? Um, and Chris, I can turn it back over to you on this one to start with that just sort of you really enjoyed. It could be whether it's about what we've been talking about or it could just be from the fact that it's the dark night and it's amazing and you and you love that part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I first of all, like I love the um, like so this movie hit when I was at the height of my Alfred Hitchcock obsession. And there's this idea of like transference of guilt. That happens in a lot of his film. Uh, a very common template in Hitchcock is a guy is wrongfully accused mm. and like uh, has to basically prove his innocence. And like he's got guilt transferred from like the actual guilty party to him and has to sort of figure out a way to prove his innocence and, and slide it back. This movie is sort of the that turned on its head where like, you know, that happens at the end of the film. And that is sort of like where the ending lies. So that's something that struck me like right off the bat the very first time i saw it and i continue to really love it i think it's like i know we're not technically talking about the dark knight rises but i think it what makes this ending work for me more now that like that trilogy is complete is that i think it does beautifully set up the dark knight rises which i know gets made fun of because bane talks you know goofy <laughs> and stuff but um that's a movie i've watched a couple of times since its theatrical release and it's grown on me substantially i think it's better than batman begins it's not as good mm -hmm. as this one but uh i think where batman ends up where gotham ends up and then sort of like you see that the decision that gordon makes in this moment to me's point um uh, is a bad choice it doesn't fix anything um the cracks are starting to show in the foundation uh, the death of Harvey Dent is used to fuck a lot of people over in the criminal mm -hmm. justice system. And there is this question of like, did we make the right choice? The, the answer is clearly no. And uh, the consequences that are paid because of that are pretty grave for a lot of people and, and for the city of Gotham in particular. So um, I, I do I do like how it's set up. I don't know how much planning like went into it. I imagine there had to be at least some outline of like what that trilogy was going to to do like um, or like how it was going to all kind of shake up. I'm sure they didn't have like the script written when this movie came out, but I'm sure like the, the broad strokes were there. So I appreciate it for that reason um, in particular. Uh, as far as like the other like morality 
moments i think really the stuff that we've kind of already covered is that like everybody in this place kind of all has their own code and people take some positions of like moral superiority that i don't feel like are always earned and uh, like uh, even like the joker right who would never claim to be like morally superior like that moment that you're talking about with the fairies like what is he about to do he's about to blow up both the fucking boats because he Mm -hmm. can't stand to be beaten right like Mm -hmm. um he like says that he like you know help present rules but he he's time and again he like cheats uh results in rachel's death obviously he tells batman the wrong address uh knowing that he's probably going to go to where he thinks rachel is and it's obviously where, where dent is right his whole shtick is that randomness is is fair but when the random stuff doesn't go the way he wants he just (laughs) makes the outcome be what he wants yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely um and i i think like to to bring all that together um probably uh ironic i guess then that the person who probably is the most reliable uh is the person that a has the most money and power which is bruce wayne um who people don't know is batman like he's the one that makes the choices that sort of um i would i would say you could argue are the most moral choices destroying the program that can tap all the phones or not really even destroying it giving morgan freeman sort of the power you know lucius fox like hey like here's the code like you put in your stuff and like you just have to trust me and then it like obviously self-destructs right taking on the responsibility um even though it's a bad decision ultimately to, to carry the burden of like dense misdeeds and the hope that'll that'll uh you know fix things in gotham um i don't know i think he like proves to be probably like the the character um again even though he's like ironically a vigilante who has like the strongest moral code and yes has no killing rules maybe a little bit <laughs> <laughs> questionable and how realistic you think that is uh based on some of his actions but he, i think that it's you got to suspend your disbelief a little bit and go like probably not like certainly intentionally he wouldn't do it um mm-hmm. and i think what i like so much about uh the sequel is that like this movie feels very much like it's a batman film but it's kind of a batman and joker story whereas like the dark knight rises is very much like a batman and bruce wayne story I think that's why I gravitate so much more to it. Like uh, the more I watch it because you get to see all that stuff play out and you get to see some of his instincts rewarded. Like even if he has to kind of go in a, a roundabout journey to, to get there, you know, to bring it all home and he's got a happy ending, you know, sitting on the cafe with Anne Hathaway drinking a cappuccino and giving a little wink and a nod to, <laughs> to Alfred. Like that's a pretty good way to, you know, to wrap it up, I suppose. There's worse ways to have an afternoon anyway, I guess. Nice. And Hathaway and a cappuccino sounds great to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I'm right there with you. <laughs> the only other thing I was thinking about <clears throat> having gone back and watched this again was about sort of actually what Chris, you had mentioned earlier was about Batman's ability to use Lucius Fox's technology as a way to recreate essentially like sonar using everyone's mobile devices to be able to see what's going on around them in very much uh uh I guess in very much like a patriot act sort of way after like 9-11 uh so that to me was the only other parallel that I could feel like watching this film and and sort of like the domestic terrorism the Joker's doing and and the sort of the extent to which people are willing to compromise their morals to try and stop an evil that they see as threatening threatening them or threatening their family 
Um, and so that, and I maybe not so weird of a stretch to think that that technology either does or will one day exist, especially when you consider like, I think I was reading just earlier today how Amazon's trying to buy up the company that owns Roomba. Yeah. And just think about all the data that Amazon will have about the inside of your home. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not too far-fetched to think that maybe there will be a supercomputer that will just be able to see everything one day. But, I mean, we're all, we, there, there's so much smart technology that it's like we're practically giving giving away that already as it is. But, yeah, but for back in the day, I was, I was laughing about like the TV screen that they've got when they pull it out when, uh, I think it's Lau who was talking to the other guys in the mob group and just thinking about yeah that was 2008 i was thinking about like i was almost out of college and technology where it was and the phone that i had and i'm like yeah wow hasn't <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's been that long but still it's interesting watching it then versus versus now so. i have to ask chris because i haven't seen the new batman uh does it feature a zoom supported mob meeting <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it doesn't, but it has some interesting other uses of, uh, of technology. Like some of the things in that movie are like cutting edge. Like there's contact lenses that Batman wears that like record everything. Mm -hmm. And like the whole like premise of this is like, he's keeping a journal and like records of like, he calls it like the Gotham experiment. Like him being Batman is very much like a, I might abandon this. Like, I want to see if I have an effect. Right um that feels cutting edge because like the contact lenses can record everything and he goes back and replays it and like uses it to kind of solve like some of the mysteries and things uh and then there's like other bits of it that it feels so like um what's the word uh anachronistic like at times in there and i mm. really dig that vibe um <laughs> like and uh, you'll you'll see when you watch it but no zoom meetings unfortunately um <laughs> that i can recall also, Will, you reminded me of the thing. Uh, nice. I had to look up when the like NSA leak happened. That was like 2014, right? So like a long mm -hmm. time after this came out. Because it's like, yeah, the echolocation might be a bit far-fetched. But the idea of like listening in to chatter on literally everyone's smartphone, mm -hmm. uh, oh, that, that, that already happens to some degree. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know exactly how it works but i've i've seen like reports and i've actually personally tested it but if you talk about a product that yeah. you normally don't discuss uh or buy just for a while to your phone and you go google like a few hours later you will see an ad for that product yep i believe it no it's happened to us some, we we did an experiment uh we were hanging out with some friends a couple weeks ago and we said some product out loud and we're like, let's see if anyone's phone, like in the next hour and scrolling through Facebook, there it was like, um, yeah. you know, like the, an advertisement. So would you like uh, to know more? No, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm would cool, like man. you to stop eavesdropping. <laughs> yeah, don't call me. I'll call you. I'll, I'll give you, you know? uh, have, are you guys familiar with the theory that like Heath Ledger's Joker kind of speaking of like of the time um, mm -hmm. is like a combat like vet from like the Iraq war or like Afghanistan. Like there's like a oh, lot of evidence what? that like kind of his, oh. his knowledge of like weapons, explosives. Yeah. Like there's there's like a whole like uh, article that I read one time that was pretty compelling argument that mm -hmm. he may be like a vet with some like PTSD um, who maybe endured some trauma and that's what kind of set him off. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting take on it, uh, to kind of tie that into some top, hot topics at the time, you know, in 2008. Yeah. 
I do I would... appreciate the fact that this Batman tried to be grounded in reality as much as it could be without going too far out into the supernatural aspects of a lot of superhero movies. So that yeah. would make a lot of sense to me. It's yeah. cool that they don't explain it, I guess. Like those contact clues are neat if that's the case. But I think ultimately what makes him scary is that like he doesn't have a an origin. And uh, I talked about comic influences very much like that him telling like a different story about how he became who he was is taken right from uh the killing joke where mm. uh the joker reveals i think it's on, like one of the last pages like when he's like when it comes to my own like origin like i prefer yeah i think it's my own origin story i prefer multiple choice and he like kind of like throws up his hands and like reveals that that who knows you know if he's telling the truth so. yeah. i also like it because it makes him it makes him truly feel like the embodiment of just like the chaos and trauma and pain and just kind of like lack of caring about anything that's inevitable if you're living in a really violent like chaotic time and place like mm -hmm. like he's less of an individual and more of just an accumulation of traumatized people well with that in mind i think that wraps up our discussion for the uh for the dark night unless you guys have any other thoughts you want to add in before we turn it over to see what game we've got going on yeah so we're gonna do another shot in the dark for our listeners who maybe uh don't recall or if you're new to the show uh, this is an occasional segment where um my co-host and i have curated like a list um each of films that we've not seen and shared it with uh of course the group uh, and one of us will attempt to discern the plot of said film from said list, only knowing what they know from pop culture. So whether it be stills or trailers or discussions. So um, <laughs> May has graciously volunteered to go on today's uh, episode. And I'm we so excited. <laughs> We do have a selection. Uh, Will and I talked uh, in Messenger. Oh, God. And we have determined <laughs> that you will attempt to tell us the plot of 2001 A Space Odyssey. So uh, we, uh, we've we um, gotten some visual clues uh, for you here. Um, okay. If you get stuck. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> if you get stuck. Hey, <laughs> never having seen... What is already a pretty goddamn obtuse movie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Even if you have seen it to describe this. I thought, uh, I thought we were friends, Chris. <laughs> uh, this was actually Will's uh, suggestion. And I was like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> nice. Chris is like, I'm not. I'm double crossing you now. <laughs> You're on your own, buddy. It's Batman okay. style. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it is in space. Yep. Okay. So far, so good. <laughs> Nailing it. I'm guessing it takes place in 2001. Uh, yep. Correct. So far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> Check. See, you're good at this game. You're, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Just sit back and ride it, man. You're good. Um, I know that there's a wormhole involved of some sort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh May I'm I'm gonna give you um so yeah there uh, there is eventually um I want you to and it's see, a trippy wormhole I know that I want, I want you to see what you can make of um I'm gonna give you a visual hint and you you tell me what you make of this for so 
<laughs> what do you make of this? <laughs> Where does this fit into it, do you suppose? <laughs> it's such a small image. I think you can make it bigger, maybe. Oh, no, I guess not. Um, oh, wow, yeah, that is tiny. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would be um, bigger when you clicked on it. Do that okay. control zoom uh, thing. Yeah. All right. No, no. You know what? I, this, this is enough. Um, is this so they go to a planet uh, where apes worship obelisks? <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, you should amazing. keep going with that thought. Yes, please sure. continue. I would like to hear more of your of your film plot. Me too. Um, yeah. So actually, no. They go into the wormhole, and the oh. wormhole is the like incarnation of various thoughts and memories and films they have seen, and the mm. passengers have seen Planet of the Apes. Oh. And so <laughs> they manifest the planet of the apes. <laughs> Ooh. So you're, we're saying this is a spinoff or like a meta, meta context, meta sexual, like. I'm, uh, I'm saying it's meta textual. This is one amazing. of many, many scenes this wormhole takes them through. <laughs> doing great so far. Doing great. Um, <laughs> Will has prepared another image for you, and I'll put great. these into the video. I'm also going to say. Uh, someone dies early on due to some kind of space-related mishap. Ah, space-related okay. mishap. Okay. What happened in space that led to said mishap? Yeah. A lack of oxygen. Oh. Would would be my my theory. Um, yeah. In fact, it's the person that you sent me an image of because they are wearing red, and we all know that red shirts die first. <laughs> Damn, this is Star Trek. All right. Original series. That is awesome. Um, I'm going to find one more uh, image to send you, and then um, uh, we will. I don't want to like spoil too much of the movie for yeah. you. I'll tell I you also... about how close you are, uh, and Will can you can weigh in as well. I'm sorry. Go ahead, May. I was just going to say, I should describe these visuals for people who are listening. So the last one was what looked to be apes, they were very small and grainy, but looked like apes uh, surrounding some kind of stone obelisk and there were some bushes and stuff. This one is of a woman in a red spacesuit uh, in what looks to be like a fancy French building of some sort with <laughs> <laughs> models and stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna say that in addition to dying early on, uh, this chick is in Yet another uh, like memory incarnate in this trippy wormhole. Okay, I got one more image for you, and then uh, we'll tell you how you did. <laughs> uh, they predicted the Jordan Peele film. Nope. Uh, in this image, <laughs> which looks to be just a camera lens with a red dot in it, at least that's what it looks like to me. God, this is like a, a, a what do they call them? A, a Rorschach, Rorschach, the ink blot oh, test. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rorschach, Rorschach test. Yes. What do you see in this image? Because now I'm looking longer and I'm like, well, it could be like a sun or a star in the distance or it could be some kind of a warp core exploding and it has like a glass dome i don't nice. know i i think that there is going to be an explosion though because how else could a space film end besides these space <laughs> ship <laughs> blowing up or at least a spaceship <laughs> blowing up 
<laughs> well, May, um, I would say overall, you did pretty good. Um, again, I'm not going to spoil the film for you because, uh, you know, it's one of those ones, like all films that could be on our list at some point. Right. And mm-hmm. um, even if it's not like, you know, it's a, you, you owe it to yourself to experience this. Um, I will say, uh, so your first instinct for the final image is correct, that it is uh, a, like a, a lens of sort. Mm-hmm. um i won't say the specifics i can't wait if you do go watch this movie at some point to see <laughs> oh like, my gosh yes please of, of all these right. um so <laughs> y- you you got a lot of things right uh so uh there is a wormhole involved mm-hmm. there is a space related accident at some point mm-hmm. um the apes are worshiping that monolith <laughs> um what else will like i know there's some other things like that she said i was like yeah, this is the Does the lady in red die? <laughs> oh, that is a man, actually. That is, oh. uh, that is a man. <laughs> Sorry, and did not mean to misgender. That's going to go into uh, spoiler territory. Okay. Um, yeah. So we can't state. answer that question for All you. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, it, but it does the not other end person in explosion. That- yeah. <laughs> the the accident that does take place is due to a lack of oxygen to some degree. That's true. There is that. Yeah. There. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you actually did pretty good. Um, are there any major like, uh points that i missed i never said uh, who was on the spaceship which is probably <laughs> uh yeah there is one major 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 plot point um that uh you could have gotten potentially from uh one of these three images uh i won't say i, I don't want to like give anything away but there is one major thing that you could have discerned it would have been tough but um mm-hmm. depending on your pop uh, culture knowledge of this movie um, okay. That is a missing key element. That's a it's a pretty famous one. I'm gonna have to watch this like this week now because I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I, I, again, overall, you did pretty well. This movie is a little bit uh, on the obtuse side, so uh, well done. I think. Thank like, you. Yeah. Thank marks, you. Really, like. If we draw this would... movie, I'm going to freak oh, out. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I always shuffle so everyone can see. Like, I don't cut around the shuffles on purpose because I don't want anyone to accuse me of shenanigans. That would be quite funny. Uh, and yeah, I guess we just told everyone that it's on our list, but that's okay. Like, there you go. You get a little little sneak peek. This movie might pop up somewhere <laughs> in our list. Uh, well, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, I would very much like to see the film that you have just described. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I would totally watch the shit out of that. But <laughs> I'll, uh, um, I'll write something and put it on my blog. Yes, please. <laughs> well, let's find out what we are going to, in fact, watch next, if you guys are ready. Yes. Let us do it. All right. Kind of needs a shuffle. I'm hoping for a May card because it's just waffled between Will and I for a while now. I've been having uh, a break. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is you've never seen question mark exclamation. Nice. And oh shut up. <laughs> it is. I gotta go to our list. I really hope please, it is a May pick. Please, please, It is. It is a crisp pick, but I'm happy if we want to draw a May card. <laughs> I can toss this back in. And what do you guys think? We can always cut around this and draw. We could compare 
and see which one. Cheat, 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 cheat. No, I don't want to cheat. I don't want to. I just like, we can. I can throw this back in, and we can draw like until we get a May card. Uh, if it's you all want. part um, of the plan, or, Chris. Don't try or, to. We can do it. this. Statistically, it'll be more likely to draw a May okay. card the further we go. But I feel bad that we haven't gotten one in a while, so I'm happy to toss it back in. That depends. Are we going by uh, Batman ethics or uh, Joker ethics? Oh, you gonna flip that coin? I mean, my D and D character is very much on the like the Joker ethic side. Like that's what Conrad would do. But uh, I'll leave it up to you guys. What do you want to do? I'm cool either way. What pick was this one? I didn't was... say because I don't want to give it away. Oh, to, okay. I don't want that to influence your decision. Oh, mm. let's go with this one then. Unless, unless, wait, did you say it was Will or yours? It's mine. It's Chris. Yeah. Okay. If you're tired, we can go until there's a pick for me. <laughs> no, I I need you to make a decision. I'm I'm leaving it up to you. <laughs> <laughs> totally, oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm gonna go find a dice. Nice. <laughs> I feel like I might leave this part in now and say like, hey, just just for the sake of uh, fairness, like, yeah. All right, I'm gonna roll a d20. Mm-hmm. This is chaos. Uh, Controlled chaos. Okay. High or low, Chris? Uh, low. Okay. So 10 and below is going to be you. Above mm-hmm. 10 is me. Cool. All right. It is a four. Four. Okay. So we'll stick yeah. with, 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 uh, with this one. So this is, this is, a uh, one of my selections. This is two face film... approved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. I believe in Harvey Dent. Let's do this. The film is, uh, is Bonnie and Clyde, um, oh, which is hey. right at the start of my favorite era of Hollywood, which is new Hollywood. So where Ooh. directors started telling more intimate and complex nuanced stories. So having anti-heroes, um like bonnie and clyde uh played in this film by warren Beatty and faye dunaway uh i'm so excited i've never seen it and i know it's uh it was quite violent at the time and people were worried it was going to corrupt the youth because it kind of you know glamorized a little bit of the um the run and gun life and robbing robbery that kind of stuff uh so i'm quite excited to see uh how this holds up i know it's an all-time classic just never made it around to seeing it so I haven't seen it either, actually. So, first time for me too. All hey. right, hey. it's a hat trick. Hey. I do think that next episode, if we don't draw a May card, we should insist that we then do it at that point because May deserves to shine as well. I know statistically we would we would get you know there eventually, but the more that we waffle between Will and I, the the more uh, chances that are like May will just have to go like many, many times. In Every a time and... after that. Yeah. That <laughs> is a good that. point. I don't I was want enjoying... that. Season. <laughs> I was enjoying my vacation personally, but <laughs> when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I suspect this will be very much like a, just an open-ended ended discussion since uh, none of us have seen this. Like I'll, I'll kind of try to work something out as we watch it, but uh, more to come on that. I'm stoked. Me too. Well, that wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you, uh, as always, for hanging out with us for an hour plus and talking about movies. We will see you next week. Uh, Please give us a like, share, and subscribe if you have not already. 
again uh coming up soonish there might be a giveaway so if you don't uh subscribe on youtube or your podcast services i would suggest that you do that we'll have more details to come but a little teaser for uh celebrating a milestone and until next time we love you bye 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 guys <laughs>